0: You're listening to another great podcast in the Stoplight Network. Check out podcast 209. Verizon buys AOL. Tim has uh, Plex Problems. David tries Spotify. And Tim has a new project with his kids. Check it out. And it is Tech Fan Podcast number 209, I'm Tim Robertson, and hey look, there's uh, David Cohen from the other side of the pond.
1: Is it a pond?
0: I know, it's, they've been saying that for years.
1: I know, but I kind of wonder where it, I I, I wonder where it came from really, because it's definitely not a pond.
0: No, I think they're just being facetious, Mm. or ironic. I kind of like it though. It sounds less challenging if you have to cross it.
1: <laughs> you could, you could, could be. Uh, you don't to do some expectations management. Otherwise, you'd be going and you're thinking, "Wow, this is a very big
0: pond." It's a big pond. <laughs> this is Walden's pond. It's so big. <laughs> yeah. So, anyways, a lot of uh, cool stuff going on in the tech world. Uh, I'm doing some cool mm-hmm. stuff. So, let's get to it because I think the big news this week, David, that I just. I, it kind of blew my mind, but then it made more sense as I read more into it was Verizon acquiring AOL for $4.4 billion. Now, on the face of it, you think, is is Verizon crazy? Are they losing their mind? $4.4 billion for AOL? The pillar of the 90s and early 2000s internet and then, you know, grandmas and, and people in rural areas who have no high-speed internet, they're the only ones that use it, right? I mean, that's, that's what I thought. Side. Yeah. Well, it, it turns out that's actually not the case. And they didn't really buy AOL for their internet users. <laughs> like we all like to think of AOL. And I think that's the problem. The people like us, the, the normal people, well, maybe I shouldn't say normal because we're anything but, mm-hmm. have this mental image of what AOL is. It's the company that sends the discs in the mail with magazines, with, you know, everywhere. And you get dial-up internet access and <clears throat> it's it's uh, kind of a walled garden way back in the day before they opened it up to the actual internet. I remember that day real well, the day they actually allowed people to get onto the World Wide Web through AOL. Mm-hmm. Um. But really, that hasn't been their core business in a decade or more. You know, that's not what AOL does really anymore. I mean, they have that service still, but that's really not what AOL is. It, it's 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 way beyond that now.
1: So they they bought Time Warner, didn't they?
0: At one time, and then they resold them or spun it off yeah, as but- their own company. One of the two.
1: But did they keep any parts of Time Warner?
0: Not that I'm aware of. I don't think so. It was not a good marriage. I mean, we're going back, what, 15 years at that point? It's hard for me to Uh, honestly remember. You know, the whole thing was, A, they're going to buy this because it's going to be the content. It's going to be a marriage between old media and new media. AOL is going to bring Time Warner up until the, you know, uh, modern times and... Didn't really work out that way. No. <laughs> it, it was, it was a bad acquisition on their part. And my understanding is, or my memory is that either somebody else bought them or they spun it off and it's its own thing now, completely not owned by AOL at all. But beyond that, I don't remember. Maybe Ted Turner or somebody bought it. You know. Now I want to know. So <laughs> you, know, you know what that means? You get to clicky keys, David. Yeah, go on let's Time
1: more, Warner that AOL That's the noise, that, it's the noise of the internet bits coming down your connection, yeah That is
0: Yeah Um. So there's a Fortune article from 20 or uh, I don't know, I can't tell uh, from January of this year A lot of people thought the merger was a brilliant move and worried that their own companies would be left behind Yeah, that happened and remember this was in, you know, at the height of the dot com boom. Um culture of the combined companies was problematic from the get go. Yeah, we know that. Um I'm not seeing now this article doesn't really say what happened afterwards. What I need is a Wikipedia. Oh, there it is. Look at that right underneath. hmm Uh Time Warner, uh formerly AOL Time Warner. Stylized as Time Warner since 2003, is an American multinational media corporation headquartered in the Time Warner Building in New York City. It is currently the third, or the world's third largest television network and film, TV, and entertainment company in the terms of revenue, behind Walt Disney and Comcast. And one time was the largest media conglomerates. Uh, it was formed in 90 through the merger of Time and Warner Communications. Um, in the past, other major divisions of Time Warner included Time Inc., AOL, Time Warner Cable. All of these operations were either sold to other investors or spun off as independent companies between 2004 and 2014.
1: So basically, they've done a lot better since they've left AOL. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so that leaves AOL. So what does AOL do nowadays? Well, what makes them worth $4.4 $4. 4 billion?
0: Well, if you look at what their revenue was back in 2000 and today, it's a tale of two cities. Their market value in 2000 was $224 billion, and today, obviously, it's $4.4 because that's what they just yeah. sold for. In 2000, they had 15,000 employees. Today, they have 4,500. So even that tells you that they're not a small company. 4,500 employees is a large company. Mm. Total revenue in two thousand was nine point five billion today is two point five billion so let 's just stop right there two point five billion in annual revenue today. These figures are for uh, january dial up revenue in two thousand was six billion dollars today it 's six hundred and six million. Which tells me there's still a
1: lot of people using AOL dial-up. Let's well, say there's 2.2 million people on dial-up subscription. Yeah. So that's a hell of a lot. I, I, I have no idea how anybody on dial-up actually manages to do anything on the Internet nowadays. Uh,
0: it's, it would be brutal. I, I, I wouldn't even use the Internet if that was it. I have to imagine that those who are using a dial-up subscri- subscription, and let's be honest, I, I, I would bet you a half a million people have high speed internet, but they keep AOL with the dial up subscription because they think they need it before their email. Mm. How much you want to bet that's a half yeah, a million? Yeah,
1: probably.
0: The rest. Probably. Sorry, my coffee is really hot. The rest is, it's got to be people in rural areas that simply don't have right. any other way of. And they probably only use AOL for email. And maybe Facebook at the most. But even Facebook would be pretty demanding on a dial-up connection. Yep. So where are they getting the rest of their money? The other advertising. 75%? Advertising. Advertising. Yep. And so that's really what this deal is all about. It's Verizon getting an advertising company to go along with their mobile offerings, which, let's be honest, is very smart. More people now is accessing the Internet through a mobile device than a computer. Most people don't know that. Um, Think about your own usage, David. You probably access the Internet more hours in a day through a mobile device than a computer if you take being at work out of the equation.
1: Yeah, um, I I definitely agree with that. I pretty much don't use my computers very much at home now. Uh, and, in fact, I haven't even got a permanent computer set up in the house at the moment. I've only got laptops, so mm-hmm. um, that's definitely true. So
0: you figure if you're streaming music, that's online. If you're mm-hmm. using GPS, some of that is online. Some of it is obviously GPS. Um, if you're checking your email, you're checking your Facebook. If you're playing certain games, they have to be connected to the Internet. Um if you want to see how useful your, your iPhone is, put in airplane mode and then do what you normally do and see how much you can actually do. I think people would yeah, be very surprised how-, how many things use an Internet connection.
1: Well, no, I, I, I get this all the time with my son because he has an iPhone. And um, if he runs out of data, I, and I only get it for him in fairly small chunks, I know about it because he'll go, <laughs> he'll go down. I can't play... I can't play any of my games. I can't I can't use half my stuff because you don't know you don't realize that most of those things in, and on a iOS device are going out to the internet all the time. Yep, constantly. A lot, I
0: mean half the games that I play on my iPad, which admittedly isn't a whole lot, it's maybe about 6 games I regularly play. 5 of those 6 require an internet connection. Which
1: so I know yeah. you've rallied the, the, against the this thing, in the
0: past, but it is what it well, is I uh, yeah
1: i mean I, I it's it's less painful on a on a, a handheld device because those devices typically are a lot of the time connected to the internet anyway, yep it kind of sticks it annoys me when i 'm using a computer on a train or or on an airplane or in a hotel room, and I need a high speed internet connection just to play a game um but uh I, I guess we're kind of conditioned to expect that now on the mobile devices for good or for ill. But talking of ill, I mean, my, my worry with this is, let's face it, this this deal is not about Verizon's not interested in those those telephone subscribers. And I do wonder uh, if Verizon's, they're going to keep them running, too. I kind of imagine... Well, they yeah, but look,
0: it, it's $606 million this year. You're not just going to
1: flush $606 million. No, I don't know. This is verizon i i can't imagine it makes a huge difference to their bottom line um 600 million is 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 probably uh back of the back of the couch change for verizon um so uh you, you have to wonder but I, the, the thing is is that i am i'm uncomfortable with communications companies getting into mergers the advertising and the content business Oh, that
0: ship has sailed. (laughs) I'm with you 100%. I think it's wrong that Comcast owns um, NBC. I I, I don't like that. It seems like a conflict of interest, and I'm surprised that uh, the FCC would allow that to happen. But regardless of how I or you feel about it, that ship has sailed. That's a done deal, and it's never going to go the other way.
1: I guess um it's it, it's just um, I I find it unfortunate because I d- I don't want the communication company selling me their content I mean this is this goes back to this whole debate we've just had about net neutrality one of the reasons that people were were concerned about that was because they knew full well that a combination content and me and communications company would always favor their own content and media over anybody else's uh, and that, that's not a level playing field because that means if you want to watch Netflix, say, rather than Comcast's own um, media generation or Verizon's own media generation that comes out of the AOL side of the business, then you're going to have to pay more for it. Yep. Now, net net is coming in, and provided that, that it doesn't get thrown out by the courts, then then that at least will be present, prevented. But you know how these companies work. It's all about the sweetheart deals that are pushing their own stuff at you all the time um and really i i i i like the old days where the uh i was never i was never an aol subscriber i was never a fan of that because i never liked the idea that that the communications portal was constantly pushing other stuff at you i just wanted it to be a dumb pipe you know so i, I went away from all the we had we had um isps like that here in the uk and i never used any of them i always went for the one where you paid and you just got a bare service and that always made me feel more comfortable um so so, so deals like i see deals like this and i think well you know i am don't get me wrong obviously verizon can can hugely afford it i i the other thing is does a company like verizon really know how to run or operate aol make the best of it That's a question that I can't answer or or
0: I have no opinion of. I I don't know. I don't know. Verizon's done some very smart things in the last few years. They've got to where they are for a reason in a very competitive market, at least when they kind of started. It's not as competitive nowadays. Mm. But I, I would imagine they're going to leave the infrastructure in place for AOL. But I agree with you. When a media company also owns the distribution. They tend to only advertise their own wares. And I do you think that's a problem? Duh. Well, yeah, I do. So with that um, we're gonna take a quick you know, break and play another ad for another show in our network. <laughs> <laughs> <I'm> just kidding. <laughs> I was just I was setting you up. <laughs> Yeah, uh, you know, the thing is that uh, we advertise. If, if we hear something on another podcast, we talk about it. It's not like we don't. Yeah, but <laughs> maybe that's the next merger.
1: Yeah, yeah. Maybe. Verizon,
0: Verizon acquire, acquires the Stoplight Network.
1: Yeah, we could now. There, we could talk about
0: make a difference in revenue. I'll just trade them the Stoplight Network for their dial-up business. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Just that, even swap, good to go,
1: and and so, we'll still do this yeah. this show in the network for you, Verizon. So Verizon <laughs> last year made a hundred in revenue, one hundred twenty-seven billion dollars. Mm-hmm. So I don't think they would sneeze too much about dropping that six hundred, which, 600 which is only <laughs> half of what AOL made at their height. Isn't that crazy? Yeah, but so, yeah, a lot of that's to do a lot of that to do with with the yeah the, the craziness around the dot-com boom and absolutely and all of that as well i mean that was kind of fueling that thing our feature this week is going to be a do-it-yourself product project
0: that i'm going to talk about um but next up on the agenda sega is pulling a bunch of games from the app store and you sent this link over david
1: i did did i yeah. i did yeah you texted it to <laughs> me anyways I, I i did yeah i'm only kidding um yeah this is um this is about sego basically deciding they don't want to update these games uh and obviously if you don't update a game on the app store and so it doesn't say it doesn't work properly on the iphone 6 or it doesn't work properly under ios 8 you need to really pull those games because otherwise people will keep buying them and you know that's that's even worse than not updating the games at all so um they've had a lot of content up there for a while um and and i found this interesting because we were talking last week about japanese game companies and how they rise and fall and sometimes they make some dumb decisions um the issue there is and and the reason this is interesting is because nintendo are moving into this mobile gaming space now the issue with this is that when when a company like sega decides they want to take um, one of their properties, Streets of Rage, or something like that. Some one of the, some of the games from their old uh, Master System or, or Mega Drive or Genesis days. They they will subcontract that to a third party company to, mm. to to basically develop that game. Well, the, to be like fair that. though, and, Sega uh, isn't
0: the Sega of old. This isn't the Sega that we remember no. with the Genesis no, and exactly. Sonic it's and not all like that. They have
1: a whole yeah it's, it's not like they have a whole load of staff sat there just waiting for something to do, right, so they subcontract that, but you know I develop IT i t contracts I kind of know what you can and can't put into them and and uh, so you know let's let let me uh let me elaborate on that in a moment, so yeah, they subcontract that to a third party game developer to to build the game for them, and they go ahead and do that, and then they publish it, and that's fine. The problem is is after a few years um Obviously, as the nature of things on the App Store is, is sales will dwindle, um, and revenue will dwindle. uh, And many of these many of these properties were put in place before the uh, current in vogue for freemium play or uh, in app purchase. So they're they're the sort of things where you buy them once and then that's it. The company's never going to see any more money. So as these games need to be updated for different versions of iOS, if they don't have a contract in place to go back to the original developer and get that work done. Then they don't get updated. And that's what tends to happen with these these types of games. They just kind of stagnate, yep. and so Sega has has basically decided to pretty much wipe uh, most of their properties off off of the App Store um, to uh, to to prevent people getting games that don't work. But it, it kind of ticks me off really because when you write the contract, it should be possible to say to the developer okay, well, we're going to contract you to write the game and and this will be your fee and and this sort of thing. Oh, and what we want to do is we want to build a Masons clause in there so that for the next five years, you will put in the relatively few hours of programming time required to make it work with ios 8 it's not like these things need to be rewritten every time a new version of ios comes out they just need uh, normally a couple of tweaks perhaps a change to the uh, internal model so it works with the new screens or something like that we're not talking about hundreds and hundreds of hours of uh, a large programming team to make these things work so they could build that in but they never do and then we end up with situations like this the problem is, is if you've bought these games Um, Even if you have an old device that continues to run them properly, they're going to disappear from the store. If you don't have them backed up, you're never going to be able to get them back again, even though you paid good money for them. And I don't like that at all.
0: Well, to be fair, they're not saying they're pulling them forever. Unfortunately, they're not saying much of anything, just that they're pulling these games.
1: Well, some of the background to this is uh, there's there's a couple of guys who developed ports of the sonic games in the app uh, um, yep and i know a lot about yeah. this actually yeah and and basically what they did is is these guys were indies who really loved the sonic games and they did a far better port of the original sonic the hedgehog game than uh, i think sega might have already had their own yes, port out anyway they did they, they did a far better one and so sega said we like this Let's." well that's not what they said contract. at first they got a lot of well, public pressure yeah
0: Because a lot of people saw these previews of this this indie game developer doing the same game and how much better it was, and they actually distributed it to a few people, and uh, it was it was so much better than what Sony was offering or Sega uh, Sega was offering.
1: It was one of these situations where the initial corporate response was the legal response, and then finally somebody who had some decision making power got hold of it and realized that actually. It was yep. far better to take these guys on as a contractor to, you know, do this kind of properly under the wing. And and they did Sonic the Hedgehog Two as well. Now they've also done Sonic the Hedgehog three. And they've been kind of trying to contact the, the guys they know at Sega for about eighteen months now yep. to say, look, we've we've done this port, let's get together and get it released. Uh and, uh, and so this Sega C D like, you know Yeah. This or is not this CD. is not the guys this is not the guys turning around saying Look, pay is money, we need to feed our kids, and then we'll go and do this work for you. They've done it already. Yep. <laughs> yeah. Obviously, they'd want, they'd want payment in kind for that, but they've done it already. Uh, and basically, Sega's not returned their calls. Sega appears to have gone very cool on the whole uh, app store model. And, um, yeah, I think this is, the, you know, pulling these games is indicative as well. Somebody inside Sega has decided they don't like iOS anymore. Um, they don't like mobile gaming anymore. Or perhaps they've... Uh, probably more likely, is there, thinking, well, really what we don't want to do is, is port our old games anymore. We need to take Sonic and, and whap him in a nice freemium game that's going to generate us a, a revenue, um, and so we can get some of that cool cash of clans money. And so you'll yep. get Clash of Sonic clans coming, whatever it is. And you know what? I don't have a problem with that because it's their property they should be able to do what, do what they want. But I, what I object to is this kind of rewriting of history oh we've got something new out so let's get rid of all the old stuff and pretend we never did it
0: no but that's the, the companies can't... do that all the time
1: yeah i, mean, I, know, but I don't like either. it
0: i don't like it either uh, but i mean that's why you know, shows like ours exist that can remind people yeah. of what came before i mean there's a it's lot of people it, that are a lot younger than us that listen to the show that had no idea that AOL was a 200 and 25 billion dollar a year company at one time that they were the the dominating force when it came to the internet. When people said the internet, they meant AOL. I mean, it was one and the same for a long time. So our job is to remind people that's what we're about, we're enthusiasts of technology, tech fans, and our job is to remind people that this kind of thing from Sega isn't
1: really kosher with us. I just I just wish that big corporations could stop be so in the now stop be looking for the next big thing and then throwing the thing they did yesterday under the bus hmm. said so to me it because it, uh, all you do at the, at the end of the day is okay they can go oh it's just the internet Oh, it's the the crazy guys on twitter oh they're not they're not big they're not important but you know what that that stuff kind of just it stacks up it stacks up in people's memories and over time what you're doing is you're basically saying to your customers yeah, you know. I hope you like what we're doing today, but guess what? We we might might not do it tomorrow, and if you don't like it, tough. And if you you did buy it, you you might not ever be able to get it back. Yeah. Yeah. That's my problem.
0: It doesn't erase it from people's hard drives or their iPhones or their libraries or anything like that, but if you're one of the people that keep everything up in the cloud, you're not backing up to your computer, it's gone forever. You're not going to get it back, and you paid money for that. I think legality... Sony may have an issue there. Or any app developer who decides to pull their app down and then the people who bought it can no longer get it. But yeah. I, my hope is S- Sega's doing this because they have a renewed internal commitment to mobile and they realize that more often than not the games that they have ported out there and the games that they're selling on iOS and Android suck and they want to make them better and they they have a recommitment to quality. that's my hope. Is it realistic? Yeah, oh, probably not, but <laughs> uh, you know i'm 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 gonna be the optimist in this situation i I think they're doing this for a reason, and it's not just to get out of mobile mobile is is too big of a business for Sega for any game developer. If you're not a mobile it half your revenue is probably not there
1: well, yeah, this is Sega who basically ran you know one of the largest video game companies in existence into the ground so
0: well but that not the american (laughs) component the american component of sega knew exactly what to do they're the ones that made sega what they were and it was the japanese conglomerate that was just petty jealousy they didn't like what sega of america was doing and just forced stuff down their throat
1: you don't think that this is a this comes from Japan. That's the way they, these companies are organized. You know, the the Japanese overlords, the guy called the shots. Yeah. Always has been, always will with these companies.
0: Yeah, but it's the same way with every country. If it's a British company, the guy in in, in Britain is calling the shots, and he doesn't really care what the American component yeah, says. It's slightly, American companies, or unless they're multinational yeah, conglomerate, it, that's just the way it's always that. You know, to say that's a Japanese thing, I, I think is disingenuous.
1: No, I, I think I think I think the difference the difference is that the with japanese companies um you know they have different markets to consider their first for for reasons of national pride their first market is japan and japan is culturally a very different market than anywhere else in the world yeah so i think they i think there's real tension there and and i i see i think in nowadays particularly when these countries when these companies are a lot smaller than they used to be uh, and they aren't multinational conglomerates there's tension there and i think that tension causes a problem
0: the next thing we want to talk about before we hit our break—actually, uh, we got two more things to talk about before we hit our break—and and talk about the do-it-yourself product project. Um, and this kind of goes with what Sega just did. Video game publishers have, uh, you know, put it out there that there's no preserving abandoned games, even from museums and archives, because all hacking is illegal. This is their stance as a organization the video game publishers that no, you can't, uh, you can't keep these games. You can't modify them to run on current hardware, not even museums. And I am very much opposed to the stance. I think it's, uh, it, I think it's illegal to be
1: honest, because there is such a thing as fair use, at least here in the United States. There is. But having said that, um, you're, this is the, this is part of the lobby group that cre- that forced the creation of the Digital Millennium Copyright Act, mm-hmm. and as and under the, under the terms of that legislation, they're right: hacking is illegal. All hacking is illegal. That's what the DMCA is is there to try and do. It's trying to it's trying to criminalize anybody who who breaks the copyright of code in order to uh, alter the functionality of a piece of software so from that perspective they're just kind of sticking to their party line the problem with the dmca is it's a very badly drafted law yep uh, and it pretty much ignores fair use yep it pretends it pretends fair use doesn't exist and this um, isn't and just about
0: video games for those who are thinking oh you guys are still talking about video games no this is about software in general and that yeah you know let's say i want to start up a photoshop museum and i set up all these machines except guess what i can't buy photoshop 1.0 anymore i can't even buy photoshop 6 anymore right so mm-hmm. so how do i get it because well, according to the software license no yeah. one can resell that to me
1: yeah absolutely and um, then there
0: isn't a legal there isn't a legal way of getting it right So if I get an illegal one and I crack a serial number to put it on this machine, that's going to be in a museum, not in a production studio, not in someone's home for their side business, in a museum. So people could come and get educated and learn the history of this program. I would be breaking the law. And the company, Adobe in this case, would not want me to do that. And I think a fair use is, well, look, we're a museum. This should be allowed because this is an independent non for not for profit thing it's not pr for your company it's not yeah. in competition with your company this is the definition of fair use it's a museum
1: but you know where this comes from i do it's, it's because it, cause if the if the if any if any corporation who makes money off copyrighted material had their way there wouldn't be museums there wouldn't be libraries there wouldn't be any of these things that they see as holes in their revenue stream yep they and 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 basically what the software industry did the music industry tried to do this as well with drm as well yep. is they've they've tried to close what they see as terrible loopholes that allow people to get content for free and i guarantee you if we were starting from wipe the slate clean and the gutenberg printing press was being invented today and didn't exist before then meet the in in today's world the people who publish the written word would be turning around and saying what you want you want to create a for the public good. You want to create a place where people can just go in and borrow the, the material for nothing? I No, no, I'm not signing up to that. <laughs> You're right. That's and exactly and libraries
0: would not exist. You're absolutely right. Yeah. But things got to change. Here's the thing. This is still, as much as we are enamored with technology, as long as you and I personally have been playing video games and using software, um, this is still, everything is still so new. And... If there's anything that we know, it's that laws and lawmakers move very, very slowly, and when you challenge something like this in court by the time it actually gets to court it's it's it doesn't matter anymore you know that that company yeah. may not even exist the software doesn't exist, so yes the you know the good guys win if you will, but it doesn't matter because it only applied to that one case it's not setting case law, so yeah. Yeah, this is stuff that needs to change. And I hope that it changes on a worldwide basis. Because that's the other aspect of this, David. Uh, What if a hacker in the UK is cracking these games to have in a museum? The American courts have no say over that. No. So, anyways. It's a real-world problem, but... I don't see that it's going to be solved anytime soon. Not until we get some common well, problem, sense legislation.
1: Yeah, but most the, the difficulty is most legislators, why would they, unless they've got a particular passion for that topic, why would they even address it? Because all, the, all it's going to do is well, to why alienate some of their voters. Right, yeah. but
0: that's why I say it's going to take time, because the people that yeah. are in politics right now really still aren't from our generation. You know, Or if they are from our generation, they were never into technology because they followed political career path, not a technological one, and they're Mm -hmm. very much out of the loop on everything. So we still have another generation or two to go before we get true enthusiasts of software in place to be able to change some of these laws and put something that's a little bit more common sense into place. Last thing I want to talk about before our break, David, last week uh, we were talking about Plex. Mm. So I did indeed uh, sign up and download Plex and started using it. Cool. (sighs) How do you like it? Functionality-wise, it's fantastic. Um, I thought I had to be on the same network to watch my content. That's not the case. I downloaded the iPhone app, and we were waiting for the concert to start last night for my uh, sixth-grade daughter. And we had to get there way early because she had to be there early. So we're uh-huh. literally sitting there doing nothing. And I had downloaded the Plex app on my iPhone. And I thought, well, I wonder what happens if I fired this up here. I'm, I'm not on a Wi-Fi network. I'm on the carrier network. Um, I'm, you know, six miles away from my house. So obviously my Wi-Fi isn't going to reach <laughs> yeah. this far. Uh, what happens? I was kind of curious about the warnings that it gives me. Well, here's the thing. No warnings. I hit a video, and it started playing. It took about cool. 10 seconds to buffer, and then the movie started playing. Now, this wasn't a movie that I had uploaded anywhere. It's literally on my hard drive at home. My computer was still on, obviously. But it started streaming a movie. So I stopped it. I went back. Uh, I added my whole library, which was thousands of files. Uh, I found a home video. And I started playing that because I thought, well, wait a minute, it's it's playing this video, but maybe it's actually playing me something from the cloud that Plex has. Oh, he has this, so maybe you know it's okay. We'll yeah. we'll, we'll send this. Nope, I played my home videos just fine, full screen, no loss in video quality. To be honest, David, it was kind of amazing. It's kind of yeah. a game changer. So I really like so- it. it. It took seconds mm-hmm. to set up. On my end, it took about two hours for it to scan my entire media folder. But again, mm. it's 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 a lot of content. In fact, yeah, yeah. I'm kinda curious. Let me uh I'm just gonna do a git oh come on. I'm gonna do a git info on my media folder. Oh boy, I'm gonna have to upgrade this soon. <laughs> yeah. I've got a two terabyte drive that's my media library. I've only got twenty five mm-hmm. gigs available. So this puppy's almost wow. full. That's, yeah. I mean, technically I shouldn't be using it to write anything else because you need to leave some free space, but I'm going to have to go with a 3 or a 4 terabyte drive, aren't I? Or start culling some of the stuff out of here that I'm never going to watch. Like, I've got every episode of The Sopranos in here. I don't really need... I can watch that at any time at HBO
1: Go. And you've you've watched it already? Oh, yeah,
0: multiple times. Yeah, one of my favorite shows. But still, I like Plex... Except for this Good. morning, um I was trying to work, and everything was just dog slow online everything so I rebooted my computer, I reset my modem, everything seemed okay, and then everything just started grinding slow, 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 slow and I've never experienced this kind of a slowdown on the internet before with the modem actually being you know not the problem. it wasn't my internet connection; yeah. it was plex. I don't know what it was doing in the background, but as soon as I quit the Plex service, because it puts a little toolbar or a little icon up in my yeah. toolbar, I went up there and I quit mm-hmm. it and my internet was fine. Everything was right back to where it was. So something Plex was doing slowed down my internet connection to 5,600 baud modem. I mean, it was it was brutal. So I haven't researched it at all. Maybe this is a known problem. I don't know. Um, but I'm going to leave it off most of the time. The only time I'm going to turn it on is when I know for a fact I'm going to want to stream some content. And then I'll fire it mm-hmm. up. Um, yeah. What I should have done before I turned it off this morning is actually go to a client and see if I could stream content. See if it would have slowed that yeah. down too. Yeah. I don't know.
1: Mm-hmm. but Yeah, I mean, it, maybe, it was, maybe it was running away. But the thing is, I mean, what most people do is they don't have it on their main computer. They either have it on a... Uh, you can get versions of the service software that run on a NAS. Yep. So you can get like a Synology Linux NAS or, or a or a Netgear NAS or something like that. You know, and not not even a computer but just but basically one of those, you know, boxes with disks in that you just buy at the store. Right. And, and it's you a can thin client at that point really. It's, it, well it has the, yeah, they have little kind of ARM processors or stuff like that in. Right. It. And you can you can normally get a version of Plex that runs on there. And so then that acts as your media server, and that way you're not tying up your main computer. The other thing to do, and this is what actually I have, is I have a an HP Micro server here that's running Windows 8, um, and I have everything on there. The reason I'm using Windows 8 is it's very easy to create um, kind of soft RAID arrays using Windows. Um, so I have all my media on there, and then I just leave Plex running on, on that box. But again, it's not our main computer. Now, did you pay so. for any of the subscription services? I haven't, no. No, because Um, it it
0: looks interesting, but I didn't see anything that's over and above what I I, needed.
1: Yeah, I mean, it's about what you need. For for us, we just want to watch TV in the house. We don't even have it on. I know you have to pay for the the iOS client. We don't even have the iOS client. Yeah, I think I paid five bucks for it. Yeah, the kids the kids don't want to watch don't want to stream Plex to their to their devices. They if they want to watch stuff on the on off the Plex server then they they tend to go to the big TV. I
0: did notice that but parental guidance or I'm sorry, parental controls is one of the things that you get with a premium subscription.
1: That's right, but actually what I've done is um I've created different channels. For the kids versus us. Yep, I got it. Um, yeah, so so basically, the kids know just to go to their their stream with all their stuff in it, um, and uh, you know, if, if I if I was worried about them watching any of the stuff in, in any of the other streams that that has the more um, grown up stuff that Leanne and I like to watch, then uh, I would uh, I would just you know remove those from the Plex library mm-hmm. uh, and just reinstate them when I wanted to. But uh, they're, they're not interested in, in, you know, in kind of watching, you know, more grown-up action movies or the Imitation Game or anything like that. They, they just not watch yet. their cartoons and stuff, you know.
0: Not yet. Yeah. <laughs> so with that, we're going to take our quick break, and uh, we'll be right back. <sighs> what's wrong, Guy? Oh, just thinking about how
2: much I miss the Mac World Expo. The fun, the sense of community, the presentations, the people giving out great information about what's going on in the Mac world. The candy apples and roller coasters. Candy apples and... Look, Guy, I can't address this weirdness about nausea-inducing rides... But you can get the rest of all of that at the MacStock conference this summer near Chicago. The MacStock conference? Yeah. It's being held in Woodstock, Illinois on June 20th, 2015. There will be great presentations by Alison Sheridan of the No Silicast podcast, Mike Potter from the For Mac Eyes Only podcast, Chuck Joyner from Mac Voices... Tim Robertson from TechFan, Eric Erickson, Julie Kuhl, and appearances by a lot of other well-known Mac podcasters and journalists. That sounds fantastic. I wish I was given a presentation there. Uh, I actually believe you are, Guy. I am? I wonder what it'll be on. Hopefully not roller coasters. No promises. We should get the word out about this. Well, I think this is where Mike Potter jumps in and tells us all about it. Hey, everyone! Come to the Macstock Conference and Expo on June 20th in Woodstock, Illinois. It's going to be a day of community and information for Mac and Apple users, unlike anything else out there. Easy to get to, inexpensive, and packed full of the people you know and love from the independent Apple press. Just go to Macstockexpo.com for more information. If you sign up soon, there's great discounts off the regular admission price. Remember, that's the max.com Conference and Expo at maxexpo.com.
0: And we're back here on the techfam Podcast. Tim Robertson, that's me, David Cohen, that's him. We love to get feedback from you guys. It's real easy to do. Simply send an email to theshow at techfampodcast.com or go to techfampodcast.com and leave a comment in the show notes, and we'll read them here on the show. We also have a Facebook page, and it's uh, facebook.com slash techfampodcast. And we're on Twitter, thanks to David Cohen, at Podcast. Indeed. If you want to actually meet me in person, unfortunately David's not coming, but if you want to meet me in person, a good way of doing that is to go to the Mac, what is the Mac Stock Conference and Expo, Uh, it's June 20th. If I'm not mistaken, is it June 20th? I forgot that. Yeah. June 20th in Woodstock, Illinois starts at 8am. If you're in driving distance, you should definitely come to this, go to max Mac stock conference and expo.com. There's a banner up on the tech fan website as well. So tech fan podcast.com, just click the banner and buy your tickets. They're not expensive. Come up. You can meet me. You can meet, Guy and Gaz from the MyMac podcast, even cooler than that, well, maybe not cooler, but (laughs) (laughs) I don't want to, otherwise it diminishes Guy and Gaz, I don't want to do that. Um, They're the current hosts. If you want to meet the original host of the MyMac podcast, me and Chad Perry, well, Chad Perry is going to come with me as well. Poor guy's got to get up at like 4.30 in the morning to drive up there with me.
1: Well, you know what? Fame is pain. Well, there you go.
0: (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) <laughs> and this will actually be Chad's first event of doing anything like this. The last time yeah. we had any kind of plans was the My Mac podcast 100th episode that we did live at the Apple Store in Grand Rapids, Michigan. And Chad was supposed to come to that, but he had a family thing he couldn't get out of. And Guy Searle flew in from Virginia and attended it with me. So this is really the first time Chad's ever been to an event like this. We've done other events, but never, you know... Mac or podcasting or tech or anything related like that. So I'm looking forward to, uh, hanging out with Chad for a day. Yeah, that'd be nice. Poor Chad. he has gotta <sighs> be with me the whole time. Yeah. <laughs> so that again is, uh, June 20th. Uh, I hope some of you can make it. It would be fantastic. I'd like to see you and, uh, talk to you in person. So our main topic here on the second segment, David, um, I've talked about arcades and stuff like that in the past. Uh, I'm very happy with the uh, 161 and 1 cartridge that I got from my Neo G- Geo from Holland uh, Computers, and uh, you know I've been doing stuff with my main cabinet. I changed the joystick out of the Take Arcade because, quite honestly, it sucked before. I didn't realize how bad it was until I got a good joystick in there. Um, yeah. I don't. Did you even know anything about that? That I changed that joystick? No.
1: It's, uh, you, you, would tell, you told me about the lights.
0: Right. Um, yeah. If you go to, uh, I, and I never advertise this, to be honest, not new video Uh I actually have some content posted up there of, I haven't got the, the content about changing the lights yet. But I do have a, a pretty in-depth article with a lot of pictures on what I did to put a much better joystick in my Tank Arcade. And uh, it's drilling and cutting out some wood and running new wires. And uh, to be honest, it was kind of fun to do. So, so between that and putting in the new buttons and the light up lights, LEDs on the Neo Geo cabinet and the kids really starting to get into these older video games more than they had been before. They've been playing the Neo Geo quite a bit. Right. I thought it's time for me to do a project with the kids, the younger kids, not the older kids. Mm Mm-hmm. And so what we're doing is we're going to make our own arcade, but it's not a full-size arcade. Do you remember, David? Uh, this was kind of popular about mm, a year or so after the iPad first came out. It was called the iCade. Oh and, yeah, and it, I have one. Yeah, I've I've got the red yeah. one. Do you got the red one?
1: Um, no, I had I have the core one. They did afterwards. They didn't have the cabinet, so basically, you, oh, it's, it's just, just a little it's just just like the platform with the controls and you prop the iPad on the top.
0: Right. Well, I've got the one that's an actual arcade. It it, it comes with a right. little arcade. Yeah. So, I've got that, but here's the thing, I never use it. I mean, I've got a real arcade, why would I want to play yeah. an, an iPad stuck in there and um and it's a bluetooth controller and there's always going to be a little latency, especially on mm-hmm. twitchy games like Pac-Man and stuff like that.
1: Well, the, yeah, the other problem with, with iCade stuff now is that um, because it's not compatible with MFI, the uh, the Apple controller standard, so actually games aren't often coming out with support for it anymore. That's right. Well, I've got an iCade, and um, mm-hmm. I, I didn't
0: pay a lot for it. You could get these now for 25 bucks on eBay all the time, all day long, yeah. and they made millions of these. So what I'm doing here, I, I don't want people going, oh, my God, you're going to ruin it. What we're going to do is we're going to take my iCade, we're going to strip it down, basically. We're going to ruin it. And we're going to turn it into an actual arcade. Not an iPad, an actual arcade. And at this point, I've got almost everything I need. And we're hoping to start work this weekend, but it might get pushed to next weekend if I don't get a certain thing in. This is what I bought so far, David. Okay. So, because of the size of the iCade... I can't really go anything larger than a 10-inch screen in it, right? That's about the size mm-hmm. of an iPad. So yeah. I ordered a Tonec 10-inch high-resolution uh, 20 by 80 or 2080, 1280 by 800 Raspberry Pi screen. Well, it's just it, they put Raspberry Pi in there for, you know, the the Pi guys go, oh, that's the one I got to get. It's just a screen.
1: Yeah. And yeah, uh, but I presume with a, what, is it HDMI connection on that?
0: Uh, it does have HDMI, but I don't want to use HDMI for an arcade. Uh, mm-hmm. For an arcade, I want to use the uh, uh, VGA connection. So I right. bought this screen, and it comes with the video board and the adjustment board with it. Now, mm-hmm. this is kind of a kit. I mean, you got to it, it comes with the ribbon cables and everything. you got to put this thing together. And it doesn't come with yeah. a power supply, so I had to buy a 12-volt power supply for it as well. So that's the first mm-hmm. thing that I picked up. The next thing I picked up was um, uh, I, there's got to be a way to plug it in without a cord coming out of it the whole time. So, you know, like a desktop mm-hmm. computer, you got your power cable that you can literally unplug from the machine itself. Yeah. Well, I've got one of those switches. It That's where you'll plug in your three prongs power cable into that. And that plug will also have an on and off button in it. And that was like okay. 5 And I picked it up on Amazon. So now I've got a power switch and I've got a screen. Well, we're not even halfway there yet. (laughs) The other things I did, I went back to Holland Computer because I was really impressed with how fast they sent out this 161-in-1 cartridge and the quality of it. That, you know, I like to support businesses that I've used in the past and that's treated me well. Mm -hmm. So I went back to their website and, I, you know, I don't want to build an arcade that has just one game on it, but I also don't want a MAME. Now, the difference between a regular arcade and a MAME is a MAME is literally a PC inside of something. And it's running yeah. everything in emulation, and it's a PC. Yeah. And I've already got that with my MAME machine. I want an actual PCB arcade. So one of the things that they sell um, is a JAMA 60-in-1. Which means it's 60 classic vertical arcade games on one board. And I think that's a really good solution for what we want to do. It gives us, you know, choice what the kids really want to play. It's got a lot of games on it. But I didn't buy just this PCB game. I bought a whole kit that comes with five buttons, a joystick, the harness, and a power supply. Because let's... Remember, we're building this from scratch. It, we have to have supply power
1: to all these components. So I bought that as right. well. So is it, I take it technically it would be too difficult to try and reuse the controls that are already in the cabinet, the main cabinet,
0: um, the I, IK cabinet. The IK cabinet. No, I could, I'm going to use uh, the buttons probably because they're standard. Right. They're just going to a Bluetooth yeah. controller, right? So I mm-hmm. could use uh everything that's in there probably. And I might end up using that joystick that's already in there. Uh I have to disassemble it to take a look at it to see if I could run it to the new Jamma harness rather than a Bluetooth controller. I think I can.
1: But So I, I no so presumably these Jamma boards I always thought they were fairly large. This must be smaller if it'll fit in okay.
0: It's very small. It is. Uh no a jamma board there's two different kinds of Jamma boards too. There's the the large JAMA boards that people think are JAMA, but it's really just uh, a PCB uh, for a big arcade. But the new JAMA boards are all pretty small. Now, what you need is an adapter to go from whatever game you have in an arcade to a JAMA harness. And the JAMA board right. is kind of, it routes things the way they're supposed to go, regardless of whatever PCB you plug into it. A PCB in this case mm-hmm. would be... The arcade game board. So, yeah, it's not, it It could fit in the palm of my hand, just a little bit bigger. And wow. so what I'll do is I will literally, I'm going to buy uh, little mounts for it. little L bracket mounts, maybe. And I'll mount that to the side of the arcade or the Icade inside. Yeah. I'll put the power supply in there and then, you know, it's just wiring everything together. But the hard part is going to be the screen how I can mount the screen in the Icade in such a way that you don't see the edges of the screen and all that. So it looks like a real arcade. Mm -hmm. I think I've got that figured out at least from an external viewpoint. If I'm looking at it, I'm going to get a little piece of plexi that I'm going to cut to size. I'm going to put the screen behind it, uh, mark it off, mask it off, and then just paint the plexi black around the screen. Mm -hmm. I think that will look pretty good. And what what, are you going to glue the screen to the plexi? No, I'm going to have uh, I'm going to build up a little bit of a wooden track inside the iCade, and then I'll just put it right against that. Uh, I'm I'm thinking about um, a couple little magnets, so I can remove the plexiglass if I need to. Yeah, I could go with Velcro, but I kind of like the idea of it being stuck on there with just magnets.
1: I'm looking at the game list on this jammer board now. There's some good stuff on there. Yeah, what's on there? I I haven't really looked at it to be honest. So there's breakout, centipede, time pilot. Oh, I love time pilot. That's a fun game. Pengo, Mappy, Donkey Kong Jr., Donkey Kong 3, Donkey Kong, Miss Pac-Man, Galaxian, Frogger, Dig Dug, Gallagher, Mr. Do, um, Super Pac-Man. It's Mr. Do. Um, Mo- yeah, Mr. Do. Sorry, it's one Mr. of my do's favorite do's games. Tarsel. I love that one. Yeah. Uh That that Scramble. one's Scramble. Yeah. Scramble Arcade Z- uh, Arkanoid Xevious Miss Pac-Man Fast Mode um, Congo Bongo The End 1943 That's There's a good some game. good stuff on here Yeah Zaxxon Gyrus I love Gyrus as well uh, Burger Time of course Your favourite My favourite uh, yeah, this is, this is a great board. I'm, I'm kind of trying to do this myself.
0: So this entire kit that comes with the power supply, that comes with the Jamma harness, uh, that has the 16 in one kit, that has the five buttons and the arcade stick itself, is list price is 219 Holland Computers. And I'm going to put a link in the show notes to all the stuff that I talked about. So if anybody out there kind of wants to do it themselves you'll have a link of everything that you need, at least everything that I think you're going to need, because I haven't built it yet. I don't know what the pitfalls are yet. Yeah. Uh, right now at Holland Computers, this is ninety nine ninety five. Wow. Which is just dirt cheap. I mean, to me, that's... Now, now, yeah.
1: Now, oh, look, I was the only person that... This- could, I got the last uh, screen, by the way. Oh, yeah? Yeah. What interests me about this is that Holland say that actually this is ideal if you have a... A tabletop cocktail game cabinet mm-hmm. um, for putting it putting it into into one of those. I'm one, I'm now searching eBay. I'm wondering how how much a one of those without a game in it is. Oh, you could probably find them pretty cheap. Yeah, because then then I might be tempted to get a hold of one of these and then put the board in and uh, or, you know replace all the controls and then actually have a tabletop arcade game for our living room. That would be awesome. You should do it. It would be. It it's, be. If it's, it's I had not that, I would money. probably die a happy man.
0: It's it's got all the cl- and this is a vertical, which means if you look at a screen, it's either horizontal or vertical. Now my Neo Geo, I could actually put this kit in my Neo Geo and I'd have all these games on my Neo Geo, except I've got a vertical or a horizontal screen in it. Mm-hmm. Now and also yeah. all these games I already have on my main cabinet that's hooked up to my uh, my flat panel screen that I can actually rotate. So if I'm playing a vertical game, I just rotate my flat panel and it's fine. So let's be honest, this is going to be a very small screen on this little arcade, but I think it's going to be a lot of fun. And I think the kids are going to learn a lot by helping me build this. Now, when I say helping me, what do I mean by helping me? I'm going to let them screw in some of the things. I'm going to let them, um, you know, watch a lot of what I do. I'm going to explain every step of the way I'm kind of worried that Cole is going to get bored very, very quickly, because if there isn't that immediate gratification, I could play a game in five minutes. Um, why yeah. why am I sitting in here watching this when I can go play with my little men or something? Um, mm-hmm. Brooke, on the other hand, will stay the whole time. She'll be into yeah. it. But I'm going to let them make some of the decisions on where we put stuff. Uh, if they pick a spot that's not going to work, I'll ask them why it won't work there. Uh, but I'm going to have to modify this arcade because it doesn't have a bottom and it doesn't have a back. So I'm going to have to get some wood to build a bottom for this as well as a back. And I'm considering when I build the back to make it a locking door like on a real arcade. Yeah. And so you can literally take the back door off. That would be kind of cool. And I and I, you know, with these arcades, the top of it flips up and that's how you slide your iPad in. Well, I'm going to make it so you can't flip that up anymore. Yeah. But with the screen in it currently, I don't have a whole lot of room between the the edge of the screen and the top of the arcade. But I do have enough to build a tiny little marquee in there. So I'm going to build some kind of a little marquee. Um, I'll have something screen printed on some plexiglass that I'll get mounted in there with a little light behind it. So it literally lights yeah. up, and I can I can run that right through the power supply that's going to be in there already. That's going to be kind of the phase two. The first phase, though, is going to get this thing actually working. And I'm considering this weekend without even looking at the IK box itself, is to kind of lay all this stuff out on the kitchen table, dining room table, connecting everything, and just to make sure it actually works. Yeah, I think that might be a good way of to go. But that's what I'm doing. That's what the kids and I are going to do. We're going to make the Robertson Arcade tabletop game. Um, There's a good chance, though, David, that we're not going to be able to use this Icade. It it just might not have enough room inside of it for everything that we need to put in it. Or the wood it's made out of might be just too cheap to start screwing screws into it.
1: Yeah, because it might be... MDF junk. Well, even worse than that, that kind of wood veneer stuff, but that's just cardboard underneath.
0: Exactly. And if that's the case, I'm going to download some plans from the internet and just cut some wood and build our own. But here's the problem with that. I am not good at carpentry at all. No. No. I suck at it, to be honest.
1: No, uh, same with me. I can't cut straight lines save my life. Yeah, that's my (laughs) problem. It's yeah, it's great for... Uh, and and there's always a very high risk that I'll cut off something vital while I'm doing woodwork. Yep, yep. So, yep. Uh, and I still have on my fingers, The thing so. is, you must, you must have friends who are uh, kind of better at carpentry than you. I do,
0: but, you know, that I, I don't really want to farm out stuff if it's the project that kids yeah. and I are actually doing together. If I end up having to build the, the arcade box myself, I'm going to have to go buy a uh, router. Because I've been wanting a router anyway, so... Um, and that will be to take off the, the the hard edges, and then to put a track in it, so I can put in some. Uh, uh, we'll get into all that later. I don't even know if we're gonna go that route yet. I'm hoping though that yeah. we can just use the icade. I think honestly, I think that would be the way to go. I think it would look the best. If it comes out well, then we'll eventually you know paint it and and get some custom artwork for it and all that. So you won't even you can't even tell that it's it was an icade at one time. But yeah. the the immediate project, though, is to get all of this, to create a new bottom for it, a new back for it, um, to get the screen mounted in it, to get the power supply mounted, the JAMA board in it, um, the 60 and one in it, everything wired up, powered up, and running. And the kids could actually play a game. Uh, honestly, I think that besides cutting the wood part for the bottom and the side and screw them in, it shouldn't take more than say, maybe two hours, three at the tops, just to get everything in there and yeah. wired up. The biggest, honestly, the the biggest problem is going to be the screen mounting the screen in there. Yeah. If I put a new bottom on there, well, I, that's where the power supply will be screwed to, right? The jamma yeah. board is just going to be screwed with the with the little risers onto the side, and then it's just yeah. plugging stuff in. That's nothing. So it sounds, I know a lot of people are probably listening, thinking I could never do that. That's just way too, that's too complex. It's really not. And if you have kids, what a fun project to teach your kids that you're going to take these different parts and you're actually going to build something that they can enjoy and play with.
1: How cool is that? Yeah, I think that would be awesome. Yeah. And really, you know, those are skills that. That not a lot of people think they have now. Everyone's so used to just going up and buying something ready built, right? Why not? But if you make, build if you make own. something, it's pretty cool, right? And and look, this is not going to win any
0: design awards. It's not even going to win any originality awards. It's I am buying stuff off the internet. I am not doing the programming, you know. But it is more than just I installed some shit on a computer and plugged this uh, USB control panel in, and oh look, it's an arcade. No, it's not. Yeah. It's really not. You
1: know, have have you looked, see whether anyone else has ever tried this
0: before? I have. There was uh, one guy. He did this, but he did a Raspberry Pi one. And yeah. again, it, the Raspberry Pi is just a computer, so it's it's nothing but mame. I don't want to do mame. Yeah. I want an actual no, no, PCB in there. Yeah,
1: you know. I, I think I think you should make sure you document the steps of this because I actually think that this this could be something that. When it when it's finished and it's working, if you you were to post it up to YouTube or uh, or up on our site and everything, and and I, it's the sort of thing that I I can imagine some of the uh, some of the other tech sites would be interested in picking up and sharing because I don't think everyone's ever thought of doing this with an arcade before. I'm going to uh, I'm going to take a lot of pictures. I'll do some
0: video along the way. Uh, I can't do every single step in video because I'll you know yeah it, it's it's less about that and more about teaching my kids how to have patience in building something from scratch and and when we're done, I want them to have that proud feeling of <clears throat> hey me and dad made this thing I can't yeah. wait to show my friends I can't wait to tell my friends um and honestly I don't remember how much I paid the I- for the i k but it was it was really cheap at the time it was like thirty five bucks I got it for it was on sale from think geek at one point. And it works great. I mean, it looks like it's brand new. It's got a lot of dust on it right now, um, yeah. but taking that out of the equation, that price, I've got about two hundred bucks invested in everything so far. Yeah, maybe a little bit more, maybe two hundred and twenty bucks. But I think that's pretty cheap. Mm-hmm. You know, I don't have mm-hmm. the risers yet that I need to to mount my PCB to the to the inside of the cabinet but that's just a trip down to the hardware store, finding the right size and the right screws. And that's what five bucks tops. That's nothing. Mm -hmm. So, you know, I I think it'll be a fun project. Um, I'll keep people informed on where we're at. You know, we, we, uh, as a family always have kind of a full litany of, uh, events on our calendar. (laughs) (laughs) So it's, it's, we, we do have to kind of squeeze this in. um, but I think it'll be fun, David. I do. Yeah. Very cool. And that's it. That's all I got, David. You got anything yep. before we wrap up?
1: I, I, yeah, there's one thing that I was trying to try something last night and this kind of bugged me. So I was doing some work late last night and I wanted some music on, um, and, uh, as I've said on the show before, I got rid of iTunes, uh, match a while back. Uh, and I was, I also said earlier on today that, um, I don't have any permanent computer set up in the house at the moment, right? So I was I was typing on my work laptop, um, so that doesn't have any music on it. I was thinking, I really want want some music while I'm doing this. Um, And in the past, I've done I've got stuff like an app called Cloud Beats on my on my phone and my iPad that lets me play stuff that might be on on my Dropbox, my OneDrive, or stuff like that. But uh, you know, I I I'd not really changed any music on there recently. I thought I want to hear some current stuff, so I thought, oh, what the heck? I downloaded and tried Spotify. I haven't used Spotify for a long time. Yeah, me neither. Not since the very early days of it. So uh anyway, I fired it up and um they've got obviously they've got all the pre selected channels on there like top fifty and this and the other. I was really enjoying it and listened to some music that, that kind of I kind of heard on the radio but wasn't terribly familiar with. So, uh yeah, I had this going for about an hour, an hour and a half I thought this is actually pretty good. I'm I'm thinking I am i am thinking maybe I should shell out for the premiums service for a month or two and see how i like it and see whether it makes sense for me and then i became very very conflicted because it's really quite expensive here yeah it's 10 pounds there's 10 pounds a month that's a lot of so money that's nearly that's nearly 17 dollars a month and i, I anyway today or well, while before before this show, i was wondering um i wonder if it's the same in states and oh, no it is it's only 10 a month out there um and i i wonder why that is but um but, but the reason i'm conflicted is because in the grand scheme of things
0: how often do you listen £10. to it
1: well but the thing is even if i make relatively little use of it 10 pounds a month is not huge to have access to all of that music content That's and it's probably one of those things a year yeah i know i know but the thing is i mean it's you could look at it like oh it's like a cd a month and many people might buy a CD every I don't tend to but many people might buy a CD every month But and and part of me wants to pay for it because I do believe that um, I do have some sympathy with some of the artists who've been complaining about the terribly low streaming rates they get and to me I think you do have to pay for these services to, um, to make them work for the industry and while I don't want to see a situation where nobody can uh, ever afford to publish music again because Everyone's, you know, it kind of goes like the uh, like the ad model's gone on on the web, where basically the the instantaneous costs are so low that you have to have a huge amount of volume to make anybody make any money. I wouldn't want to see that happening to music because of st- pure streaming. Right. But by the same token, on a personal level, I'm thinking, Ooh, ten pounds a month seems like quite steep for what Spotify offers. You know, you, they, they have a, they have a, and they used to have three tiers. They used to have. Uh, an, uh, an unlimited tier which was £5 a month and then the premium one that was 10 they've got rid of the middle one now and they've added more functionalities to the free tier, but the problem with the free tier is that the the the, the one thing it won't let you do is play a playlist in order, if uh, you set up a playlist it shuffles all, all, all the time and the only way to turn it off is to pay the money um, the, My other uh, issue with that David
0: and we do have to wrap this up real quick here because yeah. my wife's about to come home um, Apple's about to come up with something. Yeah. And I would hate to, to commit to Spotify or Pandora not knowing what Apple service is going to be. The flip side of that argument is everything that Apple has done when it comes to streaming music and stuff like that has sucked big time. That's, yeah. They just they haven't. They've never got it Right. The flip side of that argument is they never had Beats Music, and who's involved um. in Beats Music as part of the company, that they get music. That's what they do. So See, if, if I, I'm I conflicted States, on that.
1: Yeah, If I was in the States, I'd have that same problem. But the thing is, I know full well. It's not going to roll that- out there. It won't no. roll out here for probably 12, 18 months after it rolls out you, from the state. You just
0: need to have a, a, a U.S. address somewhere with a credit card that goes to
1: that address. Yeah, because, for instance, when you mentioned Pandora. I thought, well, maybe I'll try Pandora after I found this. Nope. Well, I, I can't. You can't get Pandora in the U.K. No. Nope. Used to, but not anymore, apparently. Just start so, using my address and, and get a credit card
0: with my home address,
1: and you'll be good to go. Uh, maybe.
0: All right, with that, we're going to wrap up this episode of TechFan. Again, we'd love to have feedback from you. The show at TechFanPodcast.com. Uh, follow us on Twitter, uh, P- TechFanPodcast on Twitter, and follow us on Facebook, too. We occasionally post over there. And that's, uh, that's this episode. Thanks, David. Speak to you soon.